Okay, hello and welcome to episode six of IPNO from home. We are, of course, coming to you live from my couch. We have a special guest, Alex Ruiz from REHS. And it's very rare that uh, someone comes on the show that has a better beard than me. So this is a pretty special, uh, a pretty special moment in IPNO from home history. Uh, so, Alex, uh, we basically wanted to kind of know what is uh, what's the role that REHS has been playing in this crisis with coronavirus? I'm sure you guys are you know busy all day trying to handle it, but what kind of specifically has been your guys' role? Sure. So uh, our office has been involved with a lot of uh, activities throughout the university. Um, besides the meetings, which we'll go toward the end, because that's not that's the least exciting part of it. Uh, most of our staff are out there uh, assisting our facilities, our stakeholders, our frontline uh, medical staff, uh, either with fit testing, um, coming up with procedures for disinfecting, for cleaning. We're responding to um, all sorts of concerns related to um, somebody who was sick before, and now they're worried about it. Well, how are they going to clean their location? So we work with uh, our occupational health and our healthcare clinics to to be able, be able to assess, does it really need a lot of cleaning? So we're not utilizing our limited amount of resources on our IPO staff related to our custodians and uh, also our mechanics if they have to fix certain things. So we're working with a lot of these different groups on helping establish what are the mo- what are critical areas for them to maintain. Uh, that way they can focus a lot of their re- or minimal resources that they have to those specific areas. We're also assisting um, our PD and emergency services on their protocols in the beginning. Right now, they're pretty much self-sustained, so they're, they're pretty done pretty well. But we've been doing a lot of their fit testing for all of their first responders. Uh, we're also involved with um, dealing what type of PPE do we need. And this is throughout the whole university. So we have uh, healthcare clinics that are um, short of PPE. Uh, they're right now reutilizing PP, so we assist in those uh, pr- protocols and procedures and advice. What do we do for uh, decontaminating N95s, which you've probably seen in the news or heard in the news? We're doing that also. So we have um, we're validating all those processes uh, along with our BL3 facilities. And since we handle the health and safety for that, for the, the BL3s, we were included as helping with the with the design and also the. Uh, the actual decontamination process for validation. That went well. Uh, luckily, the PPE supplies have been able to catch up and we haven't had to use it as much, but we have that ready and validated to ready to go. Uh, we're also assisting with the shortages of PPE. So we're working with a lot of uh, the makerspaces, School of Engineering, uh, NORC uh, makerspace, you name the space that has 3D printing or design capabilities. We have them under one umbrella now for the 3D PPE project. And that's actually what we're doing today. We're having a bunch of volunteers coming in to helping assemble everything that was produced during the week. So we're, we should be able to have at least three to 500 of them built today. So we, over the past uh, three or four weeks, we've had over 2,000 of them built. So we've been working on that. Um, we've been working also with uh, our frontline um, groups on uh, being their health and safety advisors and also um, a resource for them. So we are part of uh, pretty much a lot of their committees related to policies and also uh, planning so that we can look at what are the aspects of uh, for protecting the worker. And we provide our guidance and advice through that. 
what's not seen in the news a lot is all our three uh, our BSL two and three facilities that are working on the COVID research. So we have a lot of research that are going on right now at this moment on uh, diagnostics of potential discoveries for cures for um, vaccine vaccinations. Every you name the process where we, uh, we have research coming from all different directions and teaming up. So we are supporting the uh, the CCRP. I think that's the Center for COVID Research and uh, Preparedness and providing them guidance on uh, the health and safety of all their different activities so they can prioritize their specific research and yielding all the partnerships throughout the university. We're also assisting uh, OLRID, uh, the Office of Research and Economic Development, actually right down the hall from you guys downstairs, on helping them reopen their labs. Because right now all the labs that were not critical were shut down uh, during the whole um, university shutdown. Now we got to reopen them and they want to prioritize who's coming in, what research they're doing, and they want to prioritize this by criticality. And we're in the process of trying to develop some short-term training. And this is why we're going to maybe talk about this later about how do we develop a training that has a video component so that way we can demonstrate how to properly take off a mask, put on a mask, how do we properly handle it, how do we put on gloves and take off gloves. What is the best approaches for social distances? Distance because they want to have a video component to assist the researchers. Uh, we helped assist uh, School of Dental Medicine um, prepare one of their areas for potential surge for the university hospital. We did that within a week. We went in there. We had a uh, design spec'd out and had installed uh, ventilation systems to be able to meet that capacity. Uh, they did use it for about a couple, for about a week or two, and then obviously, since this is slowed down, we're rolling that out. There's probably hundreds of other different activities that we've been involved with on a daily basis, but the the fit testing has been one of the things that's been real hard, because every single time the manufacture uh, they run out of a product, they buy new N95s. We have to fit test each individual clinician to that N95 because you have to fit test for the make, model, and and size. So our staff has been all over the state from uh, NORC, people working at University Hospital for our own clinics, and even to the uh, nurses and healthcare providers working in the prison system because we provide the healthcare for all the pr state prisons at the, in the state. Uh, so it's been interesting, um, even down to assisting uh, with commencement activities. Uh, as everything is new and everything else, they want us to help with the plannings and, and what we need to do to help uh, perform that safely. So it's the good thing is for our office is all we've all been here. A lot of everybody in our office has been coming to work. The bad news is that they're always comes to work. So it's uh, it it's really hard to find uh, periods for rest for them because there's so many th activities that are being being asked for and they're being pulled in different directions. So right now, like uh, Mark and myself are in a lot of the different meetings so we can have our staff do the frontline stuff. I do go to the front lines every so often, but not as much as I wish I can, because obviously the there's all these meetings for uh, preparing and rolling up, and and rolling uh, uh, the university back up. Uh, it goes down to how do we get students on campus? What do we do with the students? Um, uh, how do we populate offices? How do we maintain individuals um, safe by providing facial covers? And what are facial covers? Who's producing them? So we're trying to all these little avenues. We're trying to work with different third-party and outside organizations and companies to see if we can maximize the university's uh, resources. 
I can go on for hours, but you let me know if you have questions because uh, there's probably there's a bunch of ton there's probably a ton of stuff that I missed. Well, I, I know that the uh, the nature of REHS is that it's uh, you know it has to mobilize quickly to deal with a lot of different problems. What I was wondering was, do you have sort of a methodology for prioritizing these things at this point? I know you mentioned the frontline workers and the uh, obviously bringing the students back to school is a big issue. Is there sort of a master prioritization uh, uh, organization that you guys have put together so far? So, so in in it depends on what situation, what population. So for for the prioritization, we leave that up to university leadership. So we're we're plugged into all the working groups in the uh, university uh, COVID uh, task force, and depending on the activities that they have, they may include us on specific things that would help them with guidance. Whatever the university is going to be utilizing as their priorities, our job is to support those priorities by ensuring that the health and safety is a value that's incorporated, and it is. In this case, everybody's worried about it. So that that cell is not hard. I think the, the hardest part we're having right now is how do we manage perception, which I usually call perception management. The perception is sometimes nine-tenths of the rule. Just because somebody doesn't have a mask on doesn't mean that they're sick question is should they have a mask on or not it all depends on what the activities you're doing and, and it's a struggle where individuals are not getting the same consistent answer from the government the media and everybody's referencing different types of authorities and they're not even consistent so it becomes very hard on how do we provide competent information that is facts facts based in a way that's going to have their perception that we are operating in a safe manner. Right. Uh, as you probably all know, everybody has a little bit of sense of what is risk. And, mm-hmm. and that is becoming a difficulty. How do you explain to somebody who is 65 that they know they're going to be in a high risk group compared to like John, who's in a lower risk group, but John could get just as sick as somebody who's 65. The mm-hmm. severity may be different depending on your health, but how do we send out that message without alienating certain groups? And, and that's tough. Right. Because everybody's sure. worried, everybody's you know, hears everything in the news, and and there is there have been a lot of fatalities. Uh, then the big question that people ask is, well, how are we going to test everybody? Well, right now we don't have a, a good system for that. The, the government doesn't. So we're we're beholden on what the government is recommending and what they're what they're setting up as guidelines, because um, there is a lot of financial value to that. So whose responsibility is to test? We don't know yet. So that's a lot of the questions we get is, uh, well, if, if you're coming to work, then am I supposed to test you? Well, test you for what? Because if I test you today, tomorrow you may mm-hmm. interact with somebody who's sick. And now now you can have a potential for exposure. Right. So all these questions are, are and, and they're, they're all valid. You know, I always treat everybody, even a question that I may think personally inside, you know, that's a weird question. I usually try to figure out why are they asking this because sometimes they're asking a question because they have another there's another concern that they have and if you get to the root of that concern maybe you can solve a lot of the or put the information out there to help answer that but for every answer we have there's going to be two or three questions that come out of it so it's it's tough yeah so it's, it sounds like you guys have have taken a lot of this on and, and have figured out you know how to implement some solutions here and there but um how would you say, you know, having been through a few other natural disasters, you know, 
before. How would you say the response has had to be different from something like, say, Superstorm Sandy or, or other natural disasters that have happened before this? Good question. Because, so, yeah, so Superstorm Sandy, I was here for that one. I was in the command post for that one. So that one, that one's, even though it's been eight years now, it's, it's uh, something like that, yeah. Yeah. I, I would say that the difference is, is, is the prolongedness of this mm-hmm. and the uh and how widespread it is so for example with sandy once the storm came there were there were downstream effects from the damages on localized areas so certain areas got up to speed faster if we just look at new jersey the shore were the longest uh hardest hit and the uh, longest to recover in certain areas mm-hmm. where the rest of the state was able to get back and mobilize within a, a, a couple days certain areas maybe it didn't have power a week or two in this case, it's hitting everybody, and there's no part of the state that hasn't been impacted in one way or another, either by the restrictions on social distancing or the closing down of of um, stores or things that you're commonly used to going to. Mm-hmm. So it's creating a lot of that anxiety. Where and Sandy was, it was pretty localized, and and we knew what it was. We knew that the initial hazard is over. Yeah, just having recovery. In this case, the the duration of the of the event is right now three two months. Yeah, yeah. Right now we're just talking about potential recovery, but we're not even at recovery yet. Mm-hmm. So right. it's 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 a it's it's a different event where more people are impacted one way or another from this event than compared to the the storm, Superstorm Sandy. Okay, great. Um, so for the last part of the episode, we'll normally just talk about, you know, something a little more light and not necessarily work related. So once quarantine is over and once everything is back to normal, so to say, what are you most looking forward to doing? Taking a day off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, literally, yeah. Like, yeah. I have, I mean, which is, we all have a certain amount of days to carry over. Mm-hmm. I have to take, I have to take twenty days. If not, I'm going to lose them. <laughs> right now, I haven't had to, been able to take vacation at all this year, mm-hmm. and I was going to take May and June, but this is not so. So yes, I'm looking forward to taking a day off without this, because <laughs> uh, the amount of meetings and, and uh, like I just got another one just got added to my calendar. So that's the way it's been going, and I'm hoping that once. Um, the quarantine is over. Other people will be preoccupied doing other things. Yeah. Okay. And, and they're not willing to be wanting to have meetings anymore. So right now, and you probably have seen this, everybody's available to have meetings. So mm-hmm. they can yeah. just schedule one. And every every hour I have one for some reason or another. And because before meeting, when we wanted to meet, I have to take to account my commute time to your office. So. I want it. Okay, yeah. I have to I have to schedule 15, 20 minutes to be able to get to 32 Nice Ridge. Now it's instantaneous. Oof, we're meeting. So these right. are the things that I, I'm looking forward to, and I'm assuming everybody who's uh, deep into the COVID stuff also wants that. I don't want to travel. I just want to just stay home and mm-hmm. just do projects that uh, that I want to do to myself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just be by myself sometimes. Yeah. You know, everybody has that lazy Saturday. Yeah, mm-hmm. have every day to be a lazy Saturday for at least a week. <laughs> that's it. that's completely fair. Yeah, yeah. You deserve it for sure. Yeah. 
Uh, all right, everyone. I think that wraps up uh, episode uh, six. I know you got another meeting that you got to head yeah. to, Alex. Thank um, you for your time. So, yeah, thank you for coming on. And uh, hope everyone enjoyed listening. And we will see you again next week. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Have a safe uh, weekend. Thanks. Thank right. you. Take care.